Welcome to the Eventful Entrepreneur Podcast. This is the first in a new series where we will be sitting down and covering Dodge's point of view from the world of business, events, and anything else we find interesting. This week, we're diving into the world of festival headliners. I'm producer Dan, and I'm here with the eventful entrepreneur himself, Mr. Dodge Woodall. Hello, Dodge. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Looking forward to having a chat on a different subject with you today. Yeah, mate. Let's see what happens. Let's see what comes out. So we've spoken before about how you want to avoid getting into the world of relying on acts to sell tickets. But can you see why and how other event promoters get caught up in that aspect? Yeah, I can. I can see how promoters these days are wanting to go and book acts. And I think it's a really dangerous game. And it's been a dangerous game for many years, Dan. Um, We held off for about 10 years uh, at the Bournemouth Sevens Festival of booking any big acts. And I never wanted to go down that route. I wanted people to come to the festival knowing they're going to have a great experience, number one. Um, and then as the years go on, um, it became a decision. It's like, well, why don't we actually look at an act now? We got to year 10. We've built up the core audience. We've built up people know what they're coming to. People know the excitement and the buzz and the vibe that they're getting. Now, once we sell out, now we're putting an act on as a cherry on the top as a thank you and it's a bit of a wow factor really like if you've already bought a ticket and you're already going to the festival and you know the promoter drops a headliner in of i don't know chasing status or professor green or example or ella rare whoever it may be um the customer the fan is like wow thank you very much and that creates a real solid core audience and when you're building a brand or you're building a business you have to have a core audience you know, especially in the events world, festival world, you get that core audience and you can build from there. The danger that I've seen promoters, younger promoters in their 20s or early 30s are going in and booking acts. And I have to say, a lot of them are booking acts maybe maybe for their ego, which I find a real shame because there's a lot of promoters out there losing a hell of a lot of money or just about breaking even or losing money on acts that they're putting forward for their events that they're hoping they're going to sell a lot more tickets for. Because you've got to sell a lot more tickets to break even once you've booked all your acts. Mm. It's understandable as well, though, because obviously I wouldn't call it luck, but we are quite lucky in in your original idea came with it a baked-in audience, like your your rugby, netball, sporting audience, that you knew you can get those guys in, and that's attract extra ticket holders for a great party as well. Not a lot of people have that USP to their music festival, in inverted commas. Like a lot of people just have a standard old music festival they're they're throwing in a in a different uh, different uh, venue, for example. How do they attract like that core audience without going into the headliner world? I think it's purely about experience, especially where we are today. People aren't really looking out and saying, "I'm not going to that festival this year because I don't like the lineup," or they go to that festival that year because the lineup's amazing and it's an expensive lineup. And then the promoter's got to compete against himself the following year to get even a bigger lineup to attract even more people to come to it. I, I find it mind-boggling. I really do. And 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 it's a it, you know events and festivals are a dangerous game. They are risky, mm-hmm. high risk, high reward. If you get it right, you get rewarded really, really comfortably. But I've also seen a lot of promoters there losing a lot, a lot of money. And then it goes back to ego. It goes back to um, them wanting to carry on another year because they don't want to. They don't want to be seen to be seen as a failure or having to close their event down or their festival down or what have you. So it's a horrible, vicious circle. Mm. You know, you could have it off one year by putting on a 
a 500 grand lineup or 250 grand lineup. But when you're putting on 250 grand lineup, you've got to sell another 5,000 tickets. And is that the kind of money that you're seeing? You've got a lot of friends in the industry, obviously. Is that the kind of money you're hearing that people are spending? 100%. It's madness. It's madness, Dan. It really is. It really is crazy, and it's one of those things that, for the last since us throwing parties since nineteen ninety eight and throwing one thousand five hundred parties now and fifteen festivals, I've never gone down that route. I've taken my time. Take your time. You know, I'd rather sell five thousand less tickets and create a brilliant experience, and the pressure's off to build that core audience and that love. And you know, when you're, you know, they're talking about. Uh, music festivals taking seven years to break even. That's coming from the big dogs. That's coming from your Live Nations and your Melvin Benz and, and your Festival Republics. You know, you, there is another route as well. You know, you could break, an after, break even after two years or three years or one year or four years, whatever it may be, but just take your time and build up the experience that people are coming having quirkiness, people are having great service, people are having uh, a lot of colour and a lot of vibe and and, and creating an atmosphere that when people leave, they're wanting to come back next year and support you and get behind you. They're not just waiting to see your lineup. Oh, let's wait and see what the promoter's lineup is um, six months prior to us deciding. If you don't like that lineup, you and your mates aren't going to come. Mm. So take the lineup out of the equation and paying these big money just to massage your ego. Yeah. Well, I actually, before this episode, went away and I found a, a report from Ticketmaster from back in 2019. So a few years ago, but it's still very much relevant, I think. And the number one reason that people choose to go to a particular festival is not music. It's it's experience. Yeah. Music was second. So it is obviously really important for people yeah. going to music festivals. But I think a lot of people forget that experience is up there when it comes to people's reasoning for going for a particular one. And that's where if you're stuck in that game of relying on headliners, it's difficult to then take a step down from where you were last yeah. year and say, yeah, but we're creating a better experience this yeah. year. You're kind of stuck, aren't you? Yeah. Your back's against the wall. Yeah. You have to keep going forward when it comes to, to headliners because you haven't built it on a foundation of people coming for the experience. Yeah. I reckon a vast majority of people going to Glastonbury, yeah, they're excited about the headliners, but to say I've gone to Glastonbury yeah. and experienced that city built with a field, yeah. I, that's up there with, for me. Agree. Every time I go to Glasto, I don't care who's headline, I don't care who's playing, I'm finding the quirky parties. I'm finding Shangri-Las to two, three, four, five in the morning. I'm finding your your bands up on the, on different areas and and just quirkiness in the trees and meeting amazing people. And people seem to forget. And also the food. Let's not forget the food. You're there for an experience. You got to make sure your food is bespoke. You got to make sure that you're creating experience with the food and 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 meeting new people from around the UK. You know, people seem to forget this and and, and a nice cold pint. Yeah. And quick service. All this stuff that's, that no one really talks about as uh, festival organisers or event organisers or event owners or, or, or whoever you may be, event managers. Um, and I think that's key. There's too many promoters these days who have got into the world of social media, which wasn't around for us when we were promoting 20 odd years ago. And it only come about really in 2008 with your Facebook and then obviously later with your Instagram and obviously the last God knows how many years with TikTok. But there's too many promoters out there. I think you can earn a quick buck. And I've seen promoters come and go, and I've seen promoters lose a lot of money. I've seen promoters lose lose their mortgages, lose their houses. Um, but no one talks about that, yeah, because there's a big front that, oh, I'm an event promoter and, and you're seen on a, as a, on a pedestal and everyone wants to be a promoter these days because barrier to entry actually to create an event online using Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and, and TikTok are really low. You can get in there and say, I've got an event going on. It's 
you know, four thousand people, and this is who this is what we're going to do. But it's there's a lot more to it. Mm. You know, people come to festivals and look around. Maybe look at our festival. And go, oh, we can replicate that. They've got twelve festival arenas and they've got a, a big top dance tents. They've got this and that. If you don't know how to promote and draw people in, you're going to find it really hard. And people, obviously, you've got to think, Bournemouth Sevens didn't come out of the box in its current form either. No. You can't just, out of nowhere, create Bournemouth Sevens. Yeah. It's been built over years and years. Yeah, 15 years, Dan. Yeah. 15 years. And it, what, it, what it looks like today is completely different from what it looked like day one. But I had a mission on day one is to create something unique. Um, and when you create something unique, you create that sort of hunger that people want more because they feel part of it they feel part of the family they feel part they you know a lot of people at our festival brag about how many times they've been i don't know if brag's the right word but kind of like tell their mates oh i've been nine times oh, i went I, i've been 14 times i've only missed one and that's all i ever hear which is wonderful and it's just wonderful uh repeat business because we've got a great product and if you've got a great product and you, you've got um like I was saying earlier, your great food and your great experience and and wonderful people there and a great vibe. You're going to have longevity. But I think there's too many promoters out there going for a quick buck. And you can earn a quick buck, but you can also lose a lot, a lot of money. It's, you're as quick to lose it as you are to get it, right? Yeah. Because you also get very excited. Because of reputation as a as a promoter or as a, a an event owner, a lot is down to your reputation. You know, you could have it off one year and you think you've smashed it it might piss down with rain the following year and you're relying on people to buy your tickets a week before because they know you don't sell out on a, a 3,000 or a 5,000 or 7,000 people event. People will wait. People will wait until that last week before they buy a ticket, which then puts that promoter under pressure. Mm. People will wait and go, well, I know, they, I know they've always got capacity. Let's wait until the last two days to see what the weather's like. You know, and um, again, that's a dangerous game. Do you think it's impossible to get out of that vicious cycle. So if you're in the world of, I've always relied on headliners and the acts to sell my event, I haven't concentrated on the experience and I haven't invested in any unique selling point. Do you think it's impossible to get out of that? Do you think it's, yeah. it is a vicious cycle that yeah. you can't snap out of? <laughs> Mate, that's a very difficult one to go back on. Mm. It's like you're giving uh, your fans everything and then the following year that costs you half a bar, maybe 500, 400, 300, 200 grand, whatever it is on lineup, and you want to reduce that lineup cost the following year, your customers will know. Mm. Your customers will know that will drop off. And then you're relying on the weather as well. So I come to you, Dodge, today and I say, look, I've booked this field, endorse it. Um, it can hold 50,000 people. Drake's about to sign on the dotted line. What advice would you give me? <laughs> Fucking it's stop. It's my, my first year. <laughs> Mate, trust me, stop. Uh, one, whose money is it? Is yeah. it your money or have you got investors on board? If you've got investors on board, I feel sorry for you, number one, because they've got you. Your hands are tied and, and they will own you. If you're putting your own money in, I'll tell you to stop right now and cancel the event if you've just booked Drake and you spent 500 grand. You know, again, it's uh, there are people doing that. What should I do with this uh, field that I've got? That well, what 50, I would do, people? I'd reduce your capacity straight away from fifty thousand and think like five thousand. You know, five thousand is a nice party. You know, nice party in a field. But dodge my ego. Yeah, but then, again, <laughs> yeah. but again, you'll be might be looking at it and going, well, you've been, you might have been in the nightclub game and going, right, the next step for me is I want to be a festival promoter. The amount of people that I know, I was in the nightclub game for 
10, 10 years before I moved into the festival world. The amount of nightclub people I know, Dan, who flipped into festival world thinking they could smash that and have all lost quarter of a mil, half a mil, mil. Then they start getting investors on board. Then they start losing the investors' money. And after year three or year four, they go, I've lost a fortune. Why did I take that risk? I want to go and work in a shop. I want to get out of this world. I want to get out. There's too much risk. I really made a bad mistake in my life. And there's a lot of people out there, but no one talks about it. No one talks about it because Instagram could make you seem like everything is absolutely rosy on the outside. But I know as a promoter who's putting on events and who's smashing it, who's doing well, who's, break, who's managed to break even and who's losing a fortune. And then you see that same promoter on uh, TikTok, Insta, LinkedIn as a shiny front that everything is absolutely amazing and they're smashing it and they're driving around in cars that are rented. That's just the world we're in and uh, that that is the new promoter, um, which is, again, it goes back to it's, da it's dangerous. Mm. It, the whole thing is dangerous. It, it can be like going to a casino and flipping black and red, right? I have 100 Gs on red. Oh shit, black coming, I've just lost 100 Gs. So producer Dan Fest has been reduced. <laughs> <laughs> I've reduced the capacity. I've, uh, I'm trying to take my ego out of the equation. Yeah. And from what you've said before, maybe I should start looking at why people would want to come that doesn't include acts. So let's yeah. let's start building an audience. I'm going to go back to the drawing board and come up with some unique ideas and other reasons why people might want to come. Yeah, I would go back to I'd find out where you lived first, um, and I'd say I know that I work. Where do you live? <laughs> I'm going to hunt I'm not, you I'm down, not saying Dan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would go back for anyone listening out there. I'd go back to going. What is your core audience? Where do you live? Can you walk to gyms and tie up gyms and the, and the members in those gyms? Can you hand out flyers? People forget about this. You know, I've, I've handed out millions of flyers and put up fly posters all around the UK before social media come about. That's a great learning tool to go, that is proper graph, that's proper promoting. And that's when flyers were oversaturated. Yes. You would find someone handing out a flyer on every yeah. every corner, yeah. whereas now it's it's less used and therefore probably more effective. I, I believe so, because it's oversaturated online. Yeah. How many people you events you see popping up all the time? You've seen the same event popping up six times in your feed, seven times. I'll leave it out, will you? you? You don't need to keep banging it onto me. But you're, the promoter's shilling that money because he doesn't know actually who's reading it. He'll see the numbers of reading it, but he doesn't know how, how many times that person has read that event. Mm. And if you're in your local area, it's not hard to spread the word about things. Um, but you need the right people on board to really big up your event and get behind it. And you need your reputation to be number one. Your reputation is key. You're only as good as your last event. So if I take take all of what you said and, you know, as, as a promoter, that's your opinions on it. Has there ever been or would there ever be a single act that would make you think I'll do anything to get to that event? Have, is there an act in your life? My, my, I'm wearing a Led Zeppelin t-shirt. That would be mine. Uh, <laughs> Definitely what, not for what, me, mate. What, what do you always say when I wear this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so other than <laughs> Led Zeppelin, um, who, who is there anybody out there that you would say, I need to get to this festival in South Africa because such and such is playing? No. There's not a single? No, no. not a single. I've done yeah. many festivals, many, many festivals, many events, loads of nightclubs, loads of it. That's my world. And there's not once that I go to these, I go, I'm excited to go and see the headliner. I've seen headliners all on the main stage and I'm, I'm, I'm booting around chatting to people and having drinks and having a laugh and finding a quirky pie. I've seen the headliners on stage, great. I like seeing one song, two song, and then I'm away. Yeah, and you, you might be an outlier in that. There are, I will be, I'll be yeah. a very small percentage because 
I guess also, uh, uh, rolling back, is I don't pay for tickets to go into festivals and events and stuff. So I guess if you are paying, you're paying to want to go and see that big headliner yeah. on that main stage for that hour. It's part of your it's reasoning. It's part of it? your reasoning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But for it to be your sole reason, that's where all the money needs to be chucked at it and that's where it becomes a problem for the promoter. Yes, definitely. Because the promoter also, you know, and I've been there, Dan. I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, it's all singing and dancing. I've been there in the early years when you're hiring a field and you're thinking, okay, I've paid X amount up front to hire the field. Then you've got to have all your infrastructure. You've got to have your toilets and your showers. You've got to be de de dealing with the council and police to get your drinks license. Mm -hmm. You've then got to be bringing in your 200 staff and your 200 security. You've then got to be putting in Wi-Fi. Then you've got to be flooring in. Then you've got to put all the fences up. And that can really spiral. If you don't know your numbers and figures, that can really, really spiral. Yeah. You know, and um, but there are promoters out there as well who jump on the back of the infrastructure and 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 put their party on with that infrastructure and they take the door money and, uh, and away they go and they put the lineup on. Mm. You know, there's, the risk is less, but the, the lineup risk might be a 60 to 100 grand lineup risk on a small capacity. Again, that that's a dangerous game as well because you're competing on the lineup you had the year before. Competing with yourself. Competing with yourself. In a bad way. In a bad way. Yeah. Putting pressure on yourself. Um, and, you know, we're lucky that we've got a wonderful festival down here in Bournemouth. But, and we're lucky that we chose this area because it's an area that people want to go to. It's the south coast. It's the party party town. It's on the beach. We've got a microclimate down here. You know, if I did Bournemouth Sevens Festival in Norwich, no disrespect to Norwich, or I did it in... Slough Sevens. Slough Sevens. <laughs> <laughs> or I did it in, you Swindon. know, exactly. Yeah. In those kind of areas, it wouldn't have the same vibe. No. It wouldn't have the same buzz of, oh, yeah, we'll go down the south coast. and. Get, you could still get... call it Bournemouth Sevens, though. <laughs> what, in Birmingham? Yeah. <laughs> I also, I looked a bit further into the Ticketmaster stats, and, I, and there's a few stats that I thought you'd find interesting. So I'll just, I'll just uh, list off a few. Firstly, 41% of festival goers buy once three quarters of the lineup have been announced. So 35% of people book before most of the lineup has even been released. Yeah. So it shows that, again, people are buying into the festival rather than the act. Yeah. So a third of people are buying into that festival for the location, for the vibe, the atmosphere. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Only 24% buy after everybody's been announced. Yeah. So the, the, but, the stark how much how many people buy before it's even been announced. Yeah. But that 25% who buy once the full lineup is on, that could be a promoter's profit. It might have nothing to do with lineup as well. Yeah, but it, might, it could be the promoter's profit. Yeah. And if that promoter puts on a lineup that isn't enticing people, that 25% might not buy. Then you're in trouble. Mm. Uh, also, VIP ticket holders, so anyone who goes for an upgrade, are the least concerned with knowing the full lineup before booking. Yeah. That they'll buy at any time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You want the nice toilets. You want the nice service. You want the comfy sofas. You want the the, the queue jump. The full festival experience, rather you want than that. The, agree. Yeah, rather than the agree. Music. And if you a, a prime example there, if you go to Glastonbury VIP in Glastonbury, if you imagine a two hundred fifty thousand people in a thousand acre site, and you just visualise that as a one big circle, and then you visualise in that big say say it's a big football. And then you know where you you pump up the ball in the middle of the valve. Yeah. So that little valve there is the VVI, is the VIP at Glastonbury. 
you pay for that because you get the beautiful toilets and you don't have to walk all the way around to get to the next stage or to the next to the next area. You can cut through the VIP and out the other side. Mm. But once you're in the VIP there, you've got all the, the faces and the celebs and the DJs and the bands and the press and the nice cocktail bar and cool seating. And you, you've got the easy access to get out and in wherever you want. So, yeah, I think the VIP thing is when someone... I would... If someone could afford a VIP at any festival, I would definitely oh yeah take a look but it's important for the promoter as well to have that that premium experience for people i think agree yeah. agree and we're 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 quite unique in fact of our experience at bournemouth sevens is because our vvip you know that's like a vvip on a just in its sole event mm. it's like a a, a a shindig that someone's thrown isn't it a Absolutely. private party yeah. a private party's got a big marquee there that holds you know, 2,000 people, you might get 3,000 people, 4,000 people buying tickets for that, but people are coming and going and moving around mm. the site. But it's like that safe haven you can come back to and go, oh, I was packed out at the festival there. Let me go back in here. But, you know, this ours is really high end. Mm. You know, you look at VIP at Isle of Wight, it's just a marquee with a bar in, you know, to the side of the main stage. The bonus know? is fewer people, smaller queues. That's right. That's it. And comfy. Yeah. And calm. Even though you've got nice DJs in there, you go in there and you go, People have paid extra money to be here. People have got a little, I guess, a little bit more respect with each other. Um, and, you know, when you want to part with a VIP ticket, you you have a little spring in step wherever you go. Mm. If you go to London Stadium, you go to Wembley, you go to Twickenham, you've got a VIP, everyone has a little spring in their step. Because they're thinking, oh, what am I going to get? What have I, what have I paid for? What am I going to get? Mm. You know, so you do feel, you know, it's called a very important person. Yeah. You know, but I think a lot of people forget, you know, I don't think a very important person I just think that's a VIP. I want to get a bit more. We created the VVIP. Very, very important person, Dan. <laughs> Where next? <laughs> Whack another V on. Yeah. Very, 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 very. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, I also wanted to mention, I mentioned a stat earlier about um, the number one reason for people choosing is experience. Um, so th that's 31% of people stated experience. 25% uh, uh, were the social aspects, so going with your friends and things like that, and 50% for the sense of escapism. So again, a vast majority of people didn't choose music as number one. I yeah. think only 29%. So 71% of people chose something other than music. Yeah. So, you know, nearly three yeah. quarters of people asked didn't state music as their primary reason yeah. for going to a festival, which I think is telling when it comes to how much people are spending on music. Yeah, agree, so agree. It just and backs up everything we said. It does back everything up. I quite like that stat there, Dan. Nice stats, by the way. Where are you getting this from? Ticketmaster, a, a fascinating, uh, fascinating report they pulled together, um, and uh, it'll probably inform some of our discussions on on other episodes. But yeah, yeah really, really interesting. Go and check it out. Twenty nineteen. I think that escapism is a lot higher. Yeah. Well, that goes into experience for me. Yeah. I would say. Experience Experience and escapism, you could combine them and make that 46%. I still think it's higher. But that was 2019, right? That was 2019, Because yeah. that was before the pandemic, 2020, 2021, now yeah. 22. I, I genuinely think that escapism will be up in the 80s. People are, are properly craving <laughs> escapism at the moment. People want to get in a field and party. Yeah. And I think the escapism would have risen. I'd be interested to see the stats, what the stats would look like in 2022 when we finish this festival season, mate. Yeah, get on it, Ticketmaster. Come uh, on, Ticketmaster. Do another one. Escapism, way high. That's, that's, that's probably my number one, I would say. I, I like to get out and feel like I'm in a in a completely unique place yeah. and the experience is, is huge for me. Um, and I'm a big music fan and and I will be more drawn to a place that ha has a decent lineup, but... Most of the festivals I go to is for experience. Like I love Camp Festival, going to Camp Festival with my family yeah. because it's an amazing atmosphere for your kids and you're going there with your wife. It's amazing. 
I wouldn't necessarily go to my, with my kids to Reading and Leeds yeah. or Isle of Wight. Yeah. I could, but I would rather not because I'm looking for a different experience than yeah. escapism. And what sort of experience may that be? <laughs> 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 but I, a very I, sober one. Yeah, I, you know, when it comes on the experience, it's it, or escapism. Is escapism like also could be seen as getting on the piss with your mates? Yeah, well, and that's social as well. Yeah, so that's why I would wrap those three things up: going in for the experience, social aspects, and a sense of escapism. Yeah, it's all part of the experience yeah. for me. That's why I, I, I would read that as seventy-one percent of people. Yeah, going for the experience because, yeah. like. I love my family to bits, but it's nice every now and then, once a year maybe, going away with the boys yeah. and having an absolute blowout. Maybe three, four, five, ten times a year. Yeah. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> but no, it's 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 just one of those, it's it's part of the festival experience. Yeah. And um, most of my favourite memories of festivals have nothing to do Agreed. with the music. The music is the backdrop. Agree. I like to, I like to find... Uh, forest parties. Yeah, same. Quirky forest parties with nice house music. Everyone bouncing... Everyone having a right laugh and, and meeting. It's meeting new people. Mm. I've met some of the most amazing people at festivals from all different parts of the world. That, for me, is the number one. And that, that those forest parties, that obviously inspired one of our, our, our funky forests. Yeah. And um, because a lot of the team here are the same, they like finding those hidden away parties. And, and it might, it'll be a DJ that you've never heard of, but gives you the time of your life in, in some woods. Yeah. Do you um, know where that all originated from? That originated from Best of All. That's right. Best of All on the Isle of Wight. It's not there anymore, which is a real shame. And they've still got Camp Best of All, but obviously Best of All then moved to Dorset at Lulworth Cove. Mm. And it, it didn't work for them, which is a real shame to Rob DeBank and, and his wife. Um, but also secret clips, they nailed it because they went on experience. Yeah. But then what I saw, what happened for them is that it started on like a, a 10,000er and they peaked at 50,000, but they peaked at 50,000 with a ridiculously expensive lineup. And as they were getting more and more of a more expensive lineup, I was thinking, oh man, this is a dangerous game. It's a dangerous game because you're put, put, doing another act, whether it's a massive act like Elton John or a massive DJ or a massive band or whatever, yeah. whatever it yeah. may be, that might add up to three, four, five million quid. Then you're chasing your tail to go, right, we need another 10,000 people to to pay for that mm -hmm. or another 5,000 people. You're chasing your tail constantly. Then you're thinking, if I get more people through the doors, we'll take more money on the bar. If I get more money, if I get more people through the doors, the, there's going to be more money spent on the catering units. So the caterers will pay more money next year to be there. If there's more money if there's more people coming through the doors and buying tickets, that means we can get more sponsorship. But there comes to a point where a festival will plateau. Mm. And when you plateau at a festival, there's only a finite number of people will ever go to a festival. There's only one way to go after that because you're not going to match that lineup. And there's only one way to go that people next year will rely on your lineup and next year you've gone from 50,000 to 40,000 to 20,000. And then you're in trouble, especially if you're if you're a sellout each year, which a lot of these huge festivals are. Isle of Wight, best of all, like you said, it was massive when it was on Isle of Wight. If they're already at capacity because they've got a finite space and they've got licensing to, to to look at, your your lineup can grow, but that doesn't necessarily mean the amount of people there can grow. Therefore, your ticket sales, uh, your ticket prices need to go up yep. in order to cover those costs. Yeah. Um, what, you know that money's that money's going to not cover what you're spending yeah. on your Elton Johns or yeah. your, your your Foo Fighters and things like that. Yeah, dangerous. Mm. Again, it comes around as a dangerous, dangerous game of where did your ego get involved? Where's the where's the person saying just stop booking more acts and forget the big headliners? That's all great because they'll come in for your big bucks. I, I I understand that, but it's not that. It's it's how you 
how you bring all the other racks in below. There might be other racks going at 10 Gs, 15 Gs, 5 Gs, 25 Gs. Acts that people don't get really to see on the lineup poster, but they're underneath. That all adds up to a lot of money too. You know, and um, look at We Are Festival. God knows how much they spend on their, mm. their racks. Two, three, four mil, whatever it may be. You know, and then again, you're chasing your tail again. But and, and there's a fine line. Whoever's booking, are they booking? Is it their money they're using? Because if you're your own festival owner, like we own 100% of our festival independently, I look at the line and think, hold on, that's kind of out of my pocket. Do I really need to be spending on that act? We've gone and asked them how much are and they've come in at 60 grand. We're like, no way. I'm not paying that. That's wild. Why do you need to pay that? Why do you want to pay that? And when it's your own money, it's very different. If you're using someone else's money, you're not really going to care. If you mm. pretend you care, you're employed. Um, what, one last uh, fact that I found very interesting is the uh, younger fans, the younger generations are even less interested in music. So when you split it down to age, um, the older generation are more likely to say music is a massive um, aspect when they're choosing the festival, whereas older people are not going for that. For, uh, sorry, younger people are not going for those reasons. So this is only going to change, I should imagine, over time and even more lean into the experience and the social side of things and the escapism. So for anyone looking to whack on a festival anytime soon, probably listen to what we've just spoken about for the last half an hour. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And also also with experience, if you create a great experience in quirkiness and, and different vibe in different tents and, and you, you put a lot of energy into creating something where people walk in and go, wow, that's only going to be passed on via TikTok and all socials that goes up in your social and people are getting FOMO going, I need to be there next year. It's okay someone putting their... Uh, phone up and and filming a one minute of Liam Gallagher singing or or whoever is on stage, but that's they're just in a main stage, you know. So it, there is lots of knock on effects, and you know the, there are great events. The We Are Festival is a great event. The the Best of All was a great event. Um, Secret Garden Party that hasn't been around for a couple of years is coming back this summer. That's an amazing festival. That was purely experience. You went there and you went to all the different arenas. and Every arena, they spent a lot of time and a lot of creativity to create something. You'd walk in and go, wow. Mm. That you walk away and you leave that festival with, well, I certainly go to festival to get ideas. If I come back with one festival, I'll tell my missus it's homework. <laughs> <laughs> I'm away for three days. It's homework, darling. I'm back. Just gonna <laughs> um, but yeah, if I come back with one idea from a festival, that's good enough. And then you get that idea, you tweak it, improve it. You add your touches to it and then you can add it to your own personal festival. After all we've just said, if money wasn't an option and you could just carry on forever the way you are, which act would perfectly fit Bournemouth Sevens? If you could choose one act, what one act would, would go down a storm at Bournemouth Sevens? Who's paying for it? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. They're coming for no, free. Sir, they're coming for free. And I it would... won't affect your future sales or anything yeah, like okay. that. It's just... I, I think it's someone a bit more old school for, for me, really. Someone like Dizzy Rascal. But I just think he's got so many bangers. Mm. You know, he's had so many bangers over the years. We've always said Dizzy would be perfect for yeah. Bournemouth Sevens, but unfortunately he's made some personal decisions that probably eliminates him yeah. from that for a, for a little while. Yeah. I tell you, we could have a whole, we could have a whole subject chat about booking acts. Yeah. That's a whole conversation yeah. itself. 
yeah, agents and and booking. Oh. Yeah, let's not get into that now, but definitely worth a discussion because wow. I don't think a lot of people realise the kind of dark arts of booking acts and yeah. and what what agents are like to deal with. So we, we will talk about that. And it's all the games they play. Yeah, it's games being played and other other events and uh, festivals blocking that DJ can't come to yours because it's a rate. It's more than fifty. Mi- it's less than fifty mile radius and it's unbelievable. Exclusivities, so exclusivities yeah. and whatever. It's 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 a it's a it's a world that I am very happy that we're not in. <laughs> agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Well, that's all from this episode. If you'd like to pose a question or suggest a topic for future inclusion, head to dodgewoodle.com forward slash ee or get in touch via Instagram at dodgewoodle. Also, Dodge is now on TikTok. So if you enjoyed this, go and check him out at dodgewoodle. See you next time.